This week's podcast brought to you by Ding Dong Ditch. I was driving the kids home last night after dropping off our daughter at basketball practice, and uh, it was uh, about 8 o'clock, and our 9-year-old son said from the back of the Honda Odyssey, he'd been staring out to the black, inky void of night outside the uh, window of the back seat of the, of the van, and he said, whoa, 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 dad, dad, dad. And I said, what is it? He said, before I was born, it was just like blackness, like nothing. And I said, right. And he said, what if it's like that after you die? And I said, who wants ice cream when we get home? (laughs) Good answer. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hello. <laughs> I, uh,. This is Tuesday. I'm back from the Final Four. I left for the Final Four last Tuesday, and I don't think I've spoken to you until now. We, uh, I FaceTime with the kids, and so I s- spoke to you briefly on FaceTime as the kids were passing the phone back and forth, but got home late last night. You were already asleep, got the kids off to school this morning. We did, but I. this is honestly the first time we've spoken in the last week. I think the last time we spoke was at the end of last week's podcast when you were <laughs> here for a morning and I was here for a morning and I opened that and I think Denny with one N edited edited it out of the podcast. That's hard to say, edited it out. I said, how are you? Who are you? <laughs> Who is this woman in my basement? I know, it's so weird because there's so much going on at the Final Four when I'm gone, and it's crazy and hectic, and as I'm sure it is here for you. And, I um, thought you were talking about here. Yeah, and there's, uh, and there's just very little time to even call, and so when I do and I talk to the kids about what's going on, you and I don't have a chance to catch up. It's, it's like when your dad used to go on his long trips overseas for work, and uh, you've talked about this before, but you know... He would only call home maybe once because it was long distance and expensive. Our kids have zero idea the concept of long distance. They don't even have the concept of with cell phones, you know, worrying about that. Man, our kids don't have cell phones, but, you know, minutes because most people have the unlimited minutes now or whatever. And uh, but back in the day when you had to be concerned about how many minutes you were using in your plan. But anyway, I didn't use any minutes of my plan on on you while I was in Columbus. You did kindly try to contact us uh, during Easter Mass. My phone blew up like five times with you attempting to FaceTime you know me, what? That, and I, I resisted the urge to FaceTime you during Easter Mass. I totally forgot. I did. I, I FaceTimed, and uh, you didn't answer, and then I called, and you didn't answer, and this is not like me. Normally, I would just send a text and wait for a reply, and then it hit me. It's Easter Sunday, and you and the kids are at Mass, and I was just hoping that you had turned your cell phone off, and it wasn't one of those embarrassing moments where uh, somebody's phone is ringing during the solemn part of Mass. Well, no offense, but your absence does have its consolations. There was I was thinking of the song from the 70s, Bluer Than Blue by Michael Johnson, not the Michael Johnson 
that was your fellow 96 Olympian? Not the Michael Johnson from Notre Dame who didn't play because she is one of the four players who tore her ACL. This is a third Michael Johnson. Okay. The third most famous Michael Johnson in this conversation, a song from the 70s called Bluer Than Blue. This guy's trying to persuade himself that he's better off without her and says, after you go, I can catch up on my reading. (laughs) After you go, I'll have a lot more time for sleeping. And when you're gone, looks like things are going to be a lot easier. Life will be a breeze. And then the, the later verse, after you go, I'll have a lot more room in my closet. Is this a country song? Because after the you weird go, way I'll you're stay talking. all night long if I feel like it. No, it's just that this is the way he sang it. And when you're gone, maybe it is the Michael Johnson from, from the Atlanta Olympics. And when you're gone, <laughs> I can run through the house screaming. And no one will even hear me. So uh, how many of those things did you do? I did, did all you, of those things. <laughs> at, at simultaneously? Yes. You were reading while running through the house uh, And then I remembered that there, were, that there were several children and a dog here who could hear me. <laughs> but no, the one consolation in my case, if I were writing that song, would be when you're gone, I won't have to, and I didn't, put any of the nine separate elements that you put on the bed after you make the bed. So uh, none of the throw the, pillows, no the pillows. counterpanes, the anti-macassars, none of that stuff. The anti-what? Anti-macassar. What's that? It's an anti-macassar. Yeah, I have no idea. I've never heard that phrase it's, before. It, it's the opposite of a, of a pro-macassar. An anti-macassar <laughs> is the thing that you actually put on the back of a chair, a little piece of material you throw on the back of a chair so that your uh, head oils don't get into it. Okay. You know? I honestly have never. Do you know what I'm talking about? The little I chair do. doily I do. Thing? I just have I think never heard that word probably before. probably had several of sure. anti-macassars on her chairs and, just, and, yeah. and the uh, things that go over the armrests, the armrest protectors. So you didn't put the anti-macassars on the bed? I don't know. Or, or the counterpanes. <laughs> I don't. Do you know what a counterpane is? I don't know what it's a counterpane is. It's a bedspread. Oh. But there's, there is a second superfluous bedspread that you sometimes put on it. So. Well, yeah. It's the quilt at the bottom. That's just decorative, and it matches the pillow shams and the pillows. Anyway, none of that went on the none bed. Of, oh, well, good for you. And, and neither did I. So and there I, we go. I had never felt more free in my whole life. <laughs> never felt more alive. Well, I was trying to get home yesterday. Our 13-year-old was also at the Final Four until... After the championship game, I had not really spoken to her. She wasn't staying with me. She she came out with a, a friend of hers and her parents because I'm working the entire time. So they, they let our oldest stay with them. It's one thing when you blow off like a college roommate or somebody who's in town, yeah. but you don't have time to see them, even though your town is a small town and there's really no excuse. When I lived in New York, <laughs> people would say, you know, I'm going to be in New York. You want to get together? Well, somebody is going to be in New York every day. So no, I can't do that. But it, it's not good when you're, you're in Columbus, your Ohio, and your 13-year-old daughter's there for the week as well, and you don't see her. Well, this is the thing. I wasn't blowing her off. If anything, she was blowing me off. She had no she had no desire to see me. She had no interest in seeing me. On Easter Sunday, I was missing her a little bit, so I, I texted the dad that she was with and said, you know, our studio show starts at this time. If you guys come early, I would love to give Siobhan a hug beforehand. And I got a text a little bit later saying... She's a little bit tired, so she made this video for you. (laughs) So she had no interest in seeing me. But we're supposed to get home yesterday about 6 o'clock, and we're leaving Columbus. We're supposed to leave Columbus around 2 o'clock. Did you think of Philip Roth? Goodbye, Columbus? Goodbye, Columbus. Yeah, I I should have reread that while I was there and, and all my free time. But... Our flight was delayed a couple of hours because our plane was coming in from New York and and there was all kinds of weather issues. And then when we got on our flight and flew to Detroit, we missed our connection. 
And the next flight was five hours after we landed. So we had five hours to kill in the Detroit airport, me and our daughter and, and our friends and their daughter. And now uh, we had a couple rousing games of Uno in that five hour time. But my favorite part was that then meant we were landing at midnight. And I, I normally leave a car at the airport, but this time you dropped me off because I was going to be gone for a week and you were planning to pick me up because originally we were going to get in at six. Well, now we're getting in at midnight. There's very little options for me to get home because there's no cabs or Ubers at that time of night. But fortunately, the friends that that we had that, that we were with... No, lived, no cabs or Ubers at that time of night here. Here, right. Everywhere, everywhere else, else in the world, but not here. And so the friends that our daughter had gone with, they live you know, a mile from us. And so I asked if, if they wouldn't mind doing one more favor and, and dropping us off at home. And we had some big luggage. And so when we got to the car, our friend Frank started loading up the luggage in the back of the car and he put it in beautifully. It fit like this, you know, perfectly like a puzzle. Did you grease him? <laughs> I should have. But what he said to me, he said, I was diagramming this on the plane. I said, seriously? And he was completely serious. On the plane, he was thinking in his brain how he was going to make the luggage fit in the back of the car, and he was diagramming it. And I just, it, it's such a polar opposite of you. I mean, sometimes if, we've talked about this before, because you have zero spatial awareness, and I'll, I'll load the bags into the car. But the, a couple times you've attempted to, and it always goes in the wrong, it's always wrong. You always load it up the only way it won't fit. And I was just thinking about how the different brains that people have, because he's a total math numbers guy, which you are not. He was, diagram for... he was diagramming on the plane. I don't know if it was on his phone or a piece of paper or what, but how the luggage was going to fit. And it was it was beautiful. It was perfectly placed into like, the back of the like car. Like Tetris, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, even better than Tetris. It was, it was amazing. When I played Tetris, when I used to play Tetris in the year 1999... <laughs> It was a very short game. It would last two seconds, and then uh, it would be game over. Yeah, that's that's just that's not that's not you. So anyway, it was it was interesting to me. I was because I can't imagine you diagramming anything other than a sentence. So uh, so thank you, Frank, for fitting all the bags in and for taking care of Frank and Don and for taking care of our daughter and for uh, bringing us home at midnight. Well, what a flattering portrait of me. Um, you say it as if it's neither good nor bad. He was able to fit the stuff into the trunk and, and you're not. He has a good head for math and science and spatial awareness and you're not. I, I was waiting for the uh, the upside, but it's not going to come. I will say this. No, when you, so when you, you arrived home, I said you can diagram oh, a sentence. Right, yes. You can <laughs> diagram a play. You can diagram the heck out of oh, a sentence. You're the yes. best. You, <laughs> you got home sometime in the middle of the night, as far as I know. You came down this morning. The kids were eating breakfast. I made them omelets. I know. Rose told me yeah, that was yeah. that was great. Uh, you gave me a hug and a kiss. And from the other side of the, the kitchen island, which is a, a, a metaphorical island as well, in our marriage, you said to me, first words out of your mouth, I don't think we've spoken for a week. You said, did you give the dog her medicine? <laughs> that's, that's not the first words I spoke, was it? Yes. <laughs> well, she has to take her medicine. This final four we were talking about was the most exciting final four that has ever occurred in the women's game for three games to have buzzer beaters two of them to go into overtime. The third almost went into overtime. It was the most phenomenal, exciting basketball I've ever seen in three games at the Women's Final Four. It was um, it was an absolute blast. And 
when you know we're there for quite a few days before the games start and one of the things you know, the first day we're there all day we're meeting with the teams the coaches and the players and getting you know different storylines asking questions and then the games start friday so on thursday we're at practices all day each team practices for two hours back to back to back to back i was sitting watching it happened to be the yukon practice at the time and i got a text from you and before i left to go to the final four i'd, I'd Put a, we talked about this last week. I'd gotten a bunch of meals that you could make for the kids. All they had to do was we put in the oven. And, and I got a text for you in the middle of the UConn practice, and it, it said, how do you cook a frozen quiche? <laughs> and so I just, I was like, okay. I've, I've purchased, I Googled it. I, I Googled it and got no consensus. So, so I Googled it. I screenshotted what Google said about cooking the quiche, and I sent it to you. I'd but, seen that Google. But... Search I mean, result and then, it, then it didn't, didn't jibe with, with the nine others. They were well, all different. All, but the differences were just in the times. All you had to do, like, I'd gotten this homemade quiche. I'd I, frozen I, I, it. I'm it sorry was that in the I interrupted freezer. the important it, it practice was, you were watching. It was an important practice. No, it was just to feed our it, children. It was just a typical you thing to do instead let, let, of just googling let's, it. Let's, let's back this up. Okay, let's you, back you, it up. You you bought a bunch of ready-made meals that all you had to do was heat them up. Right. What are you talking about? So. Last night, for instance, I made the hamburger helper that you kindly provided us. All it required was 15 to 20 minutes of browning a pound of ground beef, another 20 minutes of stirring this and simmering this thing in a skillet. And after about an hour of this and various skillets, serving bowls, things, you had then just about 45 minutes of cleanup. So there's nothing easier than like two hours. A, a hamburger helper may be the most complicated taskmaster of, okay. of any of the ready-made meals. So, so, so hamburger helper, which my mother never bought. Did your mom buy a hamburger helper? Hamburger helper. We implored her to buy it. Okay, we never had it. But um, okay. So the quiche, all I had to do was go in the oven. The pot pie just had to go in the oven. I forget what other thing I'd gotten. And it just had to go in the oven. I knew nothing could involve chicken because our son said he's done eating chicken. He'll have dino nuggets, but not chicken nuggets. I mean, come on. It took a little bit of stirring for the hamburger helper. That's not a big deal. Uh, The cleanup is, again, it's throw the skillet away deal. uh, Well, I know because I cleaned the skillet this morning because even though you had it sitting on the drying area, it was still dirty. So it was in the drying area. You did the pre-clean. Okay. Fortunately, your sister did invite us over for Easter lunch, and all I had to do was provide a veggie platter and two desserts. Which means stopping at the grocery store. I told her, because we always pitch on, in. On the Saturday before Easter, it was like the floor of the oh, New York Stock Exchange. Oh, People were punching each other out and, and frantically trying to grab the last. We always pitch in. Usually, I'm making like a mashed potato or something that involves some effort. I told her you could bring a veggie tray and store-bought desserts. You can't act as if that was in any ways difficult to do. Is it bad that if you're inviting somebody over, how about don't ask them to bring anything? Just just be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Because when we like host my loafers, Thanksgiving, former gophers, always... it was that or skin my chauffeurs. That was uh, the <laughs> Simpsons takeoff. See my vest, Monty Burns. Well, anyway, it's because it's an easy thing to do. So you did it. You're complaining about it, but you did it. It's done. Easter was lovely. Thank you, Rachel, for hosting it the was family wonderful. at your It was house. wonderful. The best part of Easter was a kid rang your sister's doorbell and asked if her kids could come out to play. And this was like 1975 all over again. And the kids, all our kids, 
your sister's kids, these kids from the neighborhood all went out to play. They were playing kickball, football, wiffle ball in the front and backyards. And then I found out yesterday from our seven-year-old, she mentioned the phrase ding-dong ditch. And I said, how do you know what ding-dong ditch is? And she said, well, I did it yesterday at Tantas. And I said, what? And <laughs> she was on Easter. They were yes, playing ding-dong. <laughs> no, there was one other girl who came from the neighborhood who came over. Rose was playing with that girl. And she, Rose said she, the girl claimed she's the only girl on the block. And so she and Rose hit it off. And the two of them played ding-dong ditch on your sister's next-door neighbor. And when they <laughs> when they didn't get any response, they went to the backyard and raided the plastic eggs that were in the neighbor's backyard. Oh, no. And she said only a few of them had candy in them. <laughs> so they used ding-dong ditch oh, no. just as a Trojan horse to find out if anybody was home. And when and they then, found out not, they... they and probably the, the egg eggs that were set up for a for a Easter egg hunt later in the day. <laughs> yes. They took... Oh, no. So what do we do about that? Do we? Did you tell Rachel so that she no, could inform the no, neighbor? No, no, no. I just found out about it yesterday in the car. Oh, my gosh. Well, sorry, neighbor in West Hartford, for, for having your eggs raided and your ding-dong ditched. <laughs> I was proud, though. I was happy. It took me back to when, uh, you know, you talk about long-distance calls. Does, do people make crank calls anymore? Did they call them crank calls? Did you call them prank calls? When you can't. There's thing, caller ID, so I know, there's no such thing. thing. It's a there's lost no such thing. There's caller ID. Nobody answers their phone. But when I was a kid, we, we took it to the next level. When I say we, pretty much my brother Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry and our buddy Rye, we would call radio station call-in shows and record we'd have a cassette tape in the stereo to record the conversation that ensued which usually involved profanity that was bleeped out from the from the radio host uh, telling us not to call back but uh, we would get through the screener and then make an asinine comment on the air right but the favorite text i got from you was not the one asking how to cook frozen quiche but I had gotten an inf- information on our son's first Little League baseball practice, which is tonight. And I had sent it to you as an FYI. He has baseball practice Tuesday night from this time to this time. And your response to me was, you'll enjoy taking him. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? That is the most perfect response because I haven't been there for a week. And of course, I will be taking him. And yes, I will enjoy taking him. So I, I know there was probably a lot more that you wanted to write in that response, but you you, you, you used restraint and just wrote, yes, and you'll enjoy taking him. And the, the sick irony is, it's not irony, but the, the, the upshot of this is you won't be taking him because that text came on Sunday. On Monday, it snowed like hell. And now today, Tuesday, there's no place to practice. No, I think they still have practice. Not I, in the I, snow. I have not gotten anything saying that, that their practice has been canceled. So... I think they still do. Well, in that case, it'll be just like the regular season baseball games where you don't get a text uh, at 5 p.m. when it's lightning that the game has been postponed or canceled. You just have to show up to find out. Right, exactly. Last year, ESPN started doing something in the Final Four in that they have this little tiny camera pointing at the announcers. And last year, there was this great video of Dave O'Brien, Doris Burke, and Carol Lawson after Morgan William hit the shot to beat UConn. And, and you know how they responded to that. Well, this year, they used the camera again and put it out on social media 
our response, Adam Amin, Carol Lawson, and my response when uh, Arike Gumbawale hit the shot to beat UConn, and then again when she hit the shot magically to beat Mississippi State. And it's hilarious, the people responding, the amateur psychologists, you know, saying, you know, how mad Kara and Rebecca looked. Rebecca was so upset. How mad? That, yes. Rebecca was so upset that her, her team lost. And, you know, Rebecca and Kara don't say anything. My favorite was, you know, Rebecca and Kara mad that their alma mater got beat by Notre Dame as if Kara went to UConn. But um, well, how feeble-brained do you have to be to think that? Well, you have to be very feeble-brained, but also... In those situations, our job is to be quiet because a magical moment has just happened. Adam calls the moment, and then you just want to show the sights and sounds of what's happening in the arena. But also on the Agumbawale makeover UConn, there was still a second left. And so Kara and I are sitting there in our brain also processing what can happen. Okay, you look, UConn has no timeouts. They can't advance the basketball. So what are the possibilities of what's to come? So there's a lot that we're thinking about other than the, the amazing shot that had just been hit. But uh, we, I also had somebody, you know, but saying... But of course, if you're rooting for anything, you're rooting for something amazing to happen. Of course. Obviously. I mean, that's the best thing for us. I mean, there couldn't have been anything better for our telecasts than close games, buzzer beaters, overtimes, and all those things happened. But my favorite comment on Twitter was that it was very sexist that the women were quiet and the man was the one speaking, not understanding the fact that the man was the play-by-play and it was his job to be speaking and that Kara and I are analysts. And in that situation, the only thing that we can do wrong is speak. We have to sit there quietly so everybody can enjoy the magic of the moment and the crowd and the reactions of the players and all of those things. But yes, lots of people on Twitter thinking I was upset by that one. Indeed, it's exactly what we want in terms of television. Well, let me ask you this. Were you conscious of the the Hawthorne effect when this camera was on you? The Hawthorne effect, a form of reactivity in which subjects modify an aspect of their behavior in response to their knowing that they are being studied. Was I, the fact that the camera was there observing you no, it didn't affect it didn't affect me at all. Because I, I didn't even think about it being on. Because it's not like you ever it's ever really being used or you're ever seeing it. So no, I don't I don't think so. Well, you didn't do anything. So I didn't do anything. Yeah, the second one I did. I was blown away that she was able to do it a second game in a row and stunned by that. But that was just natural reactions. Well, I, I know it's friends of mine are watching their first women's basketball game of the year because I get texts from them once a year during the championship game, including from my college roommate in Milwaukee who texted me that his daughter was Arike Agumbawale's high school teammate in Milwaukee. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's time now for Uber Driver Confessions. He drives part-time. It's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call... I was on set on Sunday, and the set is in the arena. It's funny, first of all, because Coach Maria and I would be up on the set, you know, a half hour before we were going to do our show, rehearsing or whatever, and, and people would be all around and taking pictures or videos and looking at us, though, as if it was an aquarium. Like, we couldn't see them or we couldn't hear them, and we were just like on display. It was a really interesting phenomenon. Did anybody try to feed you? <laughs> somebody threw their... they threw a herring at yeah, uh, so it, it was like the zoo. They, somebody threw the cigarette in and, and I, like the orangutan, picked it up yes. and started smoking it like a pro. 
But a woman got my attention and she said, uh, she said, Rebecca, I was so upset on Friday about the game and, and I was crying. And then she started telling me some like emotional stuff. And so while she wasn't an Uber driver, but, but I'm thinking maybe she was, because even though she was in the arena and she wasn't driving me, I felt like she was kind of giving me her story, telling me how upset and despondent she was on Friday after the UConn loss. And it was a very Uber driver confessions-like moment, even though I was in the aquarium and she was, you know, on the other side of the of the ropes. Let's encourage people to give you emotional confessions while you're on set or while you're well, at, a, at an announce table I, I don't in the think future. We, I don't think we should encourage people to do that. I, I do. I did like meeting a lot of different people. But perhaps not then. And oh, and after the after the national championship game, we had a post game show. And as the arena's emptying out, I'm getting texts because I'm trying to meet up with our daughter. They're trying to kick our daughter and 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 friend and parents out. And eventually, I was able to convince people that it was all right for them to stay there. But uh, but anyway, yes. So feel free to come up and say hello and um, and give me all your all your confessions as long as we're not on air right at that time. I should say, I was going to say Tom, Dick, and Harry can come up with a, a sports fan confession segment theme. They've done enough for us already. But I, but that reminds me that my brother sent me a text on Easter. Tom had listened to the previous podcast and said that I, I had butchered Harry's name. I, I called him Harold Markley. It's H-A-R-A-L-D. And it's pronounced Harold. Har as in car. So it's really Tom, Dick, and Harry? Tom, Dick, and Harry. And he said if, if they do become a, a hip-hop combo, which they may well do, they won't be Bismarck Lee, they will be Narls Markley. Tom, Dick, and Harry, Narls Barkley. Narls Markley, <laughs> because it's Harold Markley is his name. By the way, Tom, Tom texted me, if you want to give props to the three dicks, there are three dicks in this band. There's Tom, Tom Russian, Harry, Harold Markley, and three dicks, none of whom are named Dick. They are... <laughs> They are Jim Eubanks, <laughs> Craig Bartlett, and Jack Malone. How many uh, people uh, are uh, in this band? And I hope I'm pronouncing Jack correctly. <laughs> how many? When did their band? Well, that get would to make be five. That five would make people. five. But so, how do the other guys feel? They're not they're, the guys who aren't Tom, Dick, or Harry. What well, do you think would have been better as, as Tom, Jim, Craig, Jack, and Harry? <laughs> I think it would be better as the three dicks. <laughs> I just think that. They now have to come up with a, a Narles Markley song. They oh. have to write a song, Flight oh, of Hari. the Concords, like in, in every genre. Oh, <laughs> Hari. <laughs> All right, it's time for viewer mail. And I'm going to start off with one of the ones we got on Twitter. Again, our Twitter handle is at Ball and Chain Pod. This was from West River. And West River wanted to know what are your thoughts on the word bucket as a verb referring to scoring in a basketball game? He gave me a couple examples from a local paper. This is one of them. Northern Lebanon made it two wins in a row Friday behind Megan Brandt, who bucketed a game high 21 points. The other example was Harrisburg senior Taisha Brown buckets a thousand career points for Cougars. I've never heard. I've never heard bucket no, used I, as a verb. Have and you? I hope never to hear it again. Yeah, it's absurd. That's terrible. I mean, you're getting buckets or you're scoring buckets, but no, you don't bucket something. That that should go away. Don't you agree? I, I think it I think it should and, and it never came as far as I'm concerned. Right, that's true. This is from Gmail. That's ball and chain pod at gmail.com. 
Uh, this is from Sarah on Gmail. Sarah writes, Hi, Stephen and Rebecca. I am an IL sealer. We have a confession of an IL sealer. Oh. I didn't know I had that title until I heard your podcast. Since I realized they may have been breaking church etiquette, I've tried sliding to the middle when I choose a seat. We've we've produced positive change. I was trapped for two consecutive weeks in a row by people that stayed well after the very last note of the final song and chatted with those around them. Ooh, we may not have served her well. On another occasion, during a rather lengthy mass, I had to use the restroom and was stuck dead center in the aisle. Since those experiences, I've returned to aisle ceiling. However, I've always and will continue to happily slide over for people that need a seat, particularly the elderly or families. What annoys me most is the people that are chronically late to mass and slide people over. If I'm labeled an aisle sealer, I think these people should also be named aisle sliders, right? Oh, I think aisle stealer. She's an aisle sealer. They should be aisle stealers. In when fact, they come in late. I, you, I agree. I purposely got to Mass a little early to get my desired seat for a reason. One time I had a small family slide me all the way over to the other side of the aisle. Why didn't they, led by the unfriendly mother, just go to the other side? I slide in all circumstances so as not to make a scene, although sometimes more begrudgingly than others. You know what? I'm surprised. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I you just, have more. I, you this, have more. this last phrase I love, This is and this is it. I really enjoy your hot takes on Mass and enjoy <laughs> hearing more if you have them. We we'll never, to, you and I don't believe in hot takes on sports, but we have our hot, hot takes, takes on, on mass. mass. Well, here's one, and it just occurred to me, because Catholics are pretty good at monetizing things. There should be a frequent mass goer program. You know, they should model it after the airlines, where you know the more you go to mass, maybe the more you contribute to the collection basket, you get higher priority for seating. And so, you know, you really this, want these is, aisle seats. You want the back row. This is you, already true of every Catholic school auction in America. And everybody who has a kid at Catholic school knows what I'm talking about. There's an annual auction where they raise all the money for the for the coming year and they always auction off like the front pew at the at the Christmas pageant. pageant. Yeah. The the first two parking spaces in the afternoon pickup line and all that stuff. But just think what it could what it could get at an auction or anywhere else to just offer up, you know, row pew three seat Seats one and two, and no one can ever take those. It doesn't matter if you're late. It doesn't matter if you're early. Here's those how you, here's are how you your seats. Instead of spending $200 at the auction, you, you get you spend 5 bucks to get a one of those laminated or, or engraved little plastic clip-on cards that says reserved for ushers or whatever it is, and you clip that on, on the aisle. Boom, you're done. Nobody, those things are inviolable. And, Nobody, no, everybody respects those. And, I, and I'm not saying that this is something that should actually happen. I'm just saying I'm surprised that the church hasn't found a way to uh, to monetize this. Well, it, it could be, it could be big bucks, don't you think? They'll have those things that that waiters have, where you can swipe the credit card at the table. Done every time you walk in a mass. Uh, this is from Rob in Wisconsin. Uh, Stephen Rebecca, I was disappointed last week when Steve briefly mentioned on sick days as a kid that he loved to watch game shows but didn't elaborate. I've elaborated on that in Stingray Afternoons, but uh, I've developed a list, Rob writes, of my favorite game shows as as a child with their corresponding hosts. Price is Right, Bob Barker, Hollywood Squares, Peter Marshall, Jeopardy, Art Fleming, Joker's Wild, Jack Berry, Bill Cullen, Gong Show, Chuck Barris, Dating Game, Jim Lang, Newlywed Game, Bob Eubanks, Let's Make a Deal, Monty Hall, Match Game, Gene Rayburn, the best, Tattletales, Bert Convy, my favorite was always the banana section, and Password with Alan Ludden. Why no female hosts? Targeting the stay-at-home housewife, perhaps? Question mark. The Wins Final Four were three of the most riveting games I've ever watched. It was fantastic to see hometown hero Enrique Agumbawale and Andy win it all. I can't believe that he has left off Tic Tac Doe with the quintessential 
game show host of the 70s and 80s, Wink Martindale. But Family Feud with Richard Dawson was probably my favorite. And I also enjoyed the uh, the $25,000 pyramid. You liked that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. That, that was a good one. Yes. Things a pot roast might say. The categories were the best part of that. You know? Yes, of course they were. I'm, I'm in the oven. I'm roasting. You can't say that. Pardon Steve Russian doesn't know how to cook me if I was previously frozen. Things a pot roast. Things any food would say. Right. This is from Jane. Jane writes on Gmail, Hey, Steve, have you seen the Baseball for All commercial? I have. Images of girls playing baseball, then the caption, Put them in, coach. Without a comma. So it appears they want to put the girls in the back of the plane rather than first class. Put them in, coach. <laughs> this this is a this is a commercial intended to empower right. girls, and it ends up having the opposite effect for want of a comma. <laughs> oh, by the way, they need your book. You came back from Columbus. Yes. Our thirteen-year-old daughter found a great bookstore there, the Book Loft. I think it's called Thirty-Two Rooms of Books, and she brought me. Here, Dad, we went to this really cool bookstore. I bought you a present, and it is, yes. I could care less how to be a grammar snob without acting like a jerk. That's the book that she got for you. How awesome is she? She knows you very, very well. All right, this is an email from Ralph. He says, how anyone can play for Gino for four years and never take a charge leaves me baffled. I think you mentioned that on the air that you never taken a charge. I mentioned on the air that in my life I never took a charge. I once saw Caroline Doty not take a charge, but she has a problematic knee and the game was well in hand. Okay, so I, I've never in my entire career, high school, middle school, college pros, I never took a charge. Seriously? Never. How? Not, not once. Because I was- Were you sh- in the restricted area? <laughs> there wasn't a restricted area then. I was a shot blocker. So if anyone came in the lane, my instinct was to block their shot. It was not to take a charge. And until Brianna Stewart and her you know, miraculous shot blocking ability came along, I was- the shot block leader at UConn for a lot of years. I'm now number two. So that's that's my defense. Is but, because I was a shot blocker. I was blocking shots. Same result. We'd get the ball back, but I wouldn't get the charge drawn. So yeah, never in my entire career have I taken a charge. You're still at the very least tied for the record for having avoided charges. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's in right. all of Division I. I know. I hold that record. I solely hold that record. All right. On Twitter, Brent wants to know, is unloading the bottom rack of the dishwasher equal to folding towels and other big items? Because it's the easy stuff. Absolutely. I think it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And it all falls under the the hashtag LHF. As as my 13-year-old, we like to do Sudoku at night. And we always do hashtag LHF, the low-hanging fruit. We just try to get the easiest possible Sudoku answers and then, then we look at the answers in the back. Which one of you came up with the hashtag and the phrase? I believe it was me. I believe it was you. A friend of the show, a Dorky Diva, writes, The Shell Answer Man brought to her mind this ad, and she includes a YouTube clip of just an absolutely classic, unbelievable 1970s commercial for Geritol, in which this smug, super punchable 70s man with his wife draped over his shoulder says, My wife... She cooks me dinner, takes care of the baby all day, and still attends a school meeting. You know, she takes Geritol and got me to take Geritol, goes through the whole thing, and at the end he says, my wife, I think I'll keep her. <laughs> I mean, really, it really is unbelievable. And, uh, and she, she includes a, a second YouTube link to Mary Chapin Carpenter's uh, performing live, Mary Chapin Carpenter performing live her song, He Thinks He'll Keep Her, which is a classic. And it's a response to this idiotic Geritol commercial that is kind of like the 
the what exactly uh, is reduced Geritol? essence of, of the 1970s TV commercials. What I think it just was something for old people, geriatrics, uh, Geritol, but I, I don't know. Um, I think I'll keep her. My wife. I think I'll keep her. Reminds me of the, of the you know, my husband, some hotshot. Here's his ancient Chinese secret. Calgon. My husband. I think I'll keep him. And my final one from Twitter is from Sheila. She said, the reason Uber drivers confess to you is because they trust you. There's God, then priests, then Rebecca. I like that order. God, God priests, priests and Rebecca. Rebecca. Some guy made a very vulgar comment to you on Twitter, which is what Twitter does. And I, I clicked on his bio and it was God, family, and Notre Dame football. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was... I, I like that order. I... Right, right. God, family, Notre Dame football, and he's the one being vulgar. I looked on Twitter and there somebody had said something really kind of nasty and, and almost threatening. And it also used a curse word. And I was especially ticked off because it was Easter Sunday and I didn't want to see that word on my timeline. And then I looked and I hadn't seen this. And there's like four other replies to me, all of them angry and upset and filthy. And I thought a little bit threatening. So I did something that I've never, ever done is I reported it to to Twitter. There's a place where you can report it and, yeah. and you know, clicked on the, you know, I find this a little bit threatening, whatever. Three minutes later, immediately I get a response, an email response saying, you know, we're looking into this matter. Three minutes later, I get a response saying, you're out of luck. We don't see this yeah, they, as threatening they, at all. They, and They don't do that. Twitter yeah. Doesn't. They, and, they and, and I was like, us. okay, Twitter, whatever right. you are, you don't find this yeah. threatening, but this person who's using vulgarities and in, I think, said something about punching me in right. the face, you don't find, you might not find that threatening because yeah. he's not, he's not, you know, threatening to harm you. Right. But I do because it's my face he's threatening to punch. So if anyway, that was. don't care uh, about, you know, Russian bots hacking an election, they certainly not. Yeah, they, they certainly about, not care uh, about me getting punched yeah. in the face. Our friend, Dr. Gary Siegel, who also hacked the election. No, I'm just kidding. Our friend, Dr. Gary Siegel, um, just bravely tweeted a picture of both rack and pinion steering and recirculating ball steering. Did, did you get that on, on uh, I Twitter? did, and it left me even more confused about racks and pins and balls and steering. So. Did, did you report Dr. Gary Siegel for using the phrase recirculating ball steering <laughs> on Twitter? Yes, he was the one I, I reported for being inappropriate. Uh, he, has a, he has a three or four point um, email here. St. Joseph's baby aspirin, when ill as a child, the best. So we have a medical doctor endorsing St. Okay. Chewable, orange chewable aspirin. Group texts, Rebecca. I also hate them. Imagine being scrubbed in the OR. We'll have to imagine that. Uh, imagine I, being wait, give me a second. I would like to imagine okay. that. <laughs> imagine being scrubbed in the OR and your phone keeps going off. Is it a group text or another doctor needing advice or a consultation? My family knows to email me. It doesn't alert me, but some folks don't get it. It's always fun to be in the middle of a cesarean or gynecologic surgery and have your phone go off. At a stopping point, they do exist. I then have to ask the nurse in the room who is not scrubbed to see what the fuss is about. Can, can I just pause and, and for I, a second? I just love the fact that that's your grandchild's uh, t-ball practice has been changed to 6.30 p.m. Can, can, uh, can, can, you, can you read that part again? Just imagine. Should I read it like in a in a? No, 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 no. Jones just read voice? it in your normal, normal way. Imagine being scrubbed in the OR. And your phone keeps going off. Keep, no, the next part. Is it a group text or another doctor needing advice or a consultation? My family knows to email me, but some folks don't get it. This it's always next, fun to be in the middle of a cesarean. Wait, start that part again. It's always fun. 
it's always fun to be in the middle of a cesarean or gynecologic surgery and have your phone go off. How do you think it is for the person getting the cesarean or the gynecologic surgery? Can you imagine if they're not under general anesthesia, they're under local in the middle, and all of a sudden they start hearing ping, 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 ping on the doctor's phone? So I think it's probably not great for them either, Dr. Siegel. <laughs> Dr. Siegel called his 31-year-old daughter a meathead via text yesterday. That's a 50s term used copiously by my late uncle Morris Siegel, who was a sports writer in Washington, D.C. for his adult life. He passed away in 94, so Steve, you might ask a few of your older colleagues if they knew him. He smoked, drank, and did all of the things that, well, we Southern Jews don't often do, but, but we Northern sports writers do frequently. Finally, he says, uh, tonight when watching the end of Wheel of Fortune, which precedes Jeopardy, the contestant won a car. Tell him about it, Johnny, was ringing in my brain. Steve, do you remember See the USA in your Chevrolet? I do. I, I know all of, I know even the commercial jingles that predate me, I'm aware of. I know Burma shave signs. He lit a match to check gas tank. That's why they call him Skinless Frank, <laughs> Burma shave. So See, it, you know, I, don't, I don't believe you have to be, have been, alive when these things happen to know about them. Can I just say that I'm you, aware of World War remember, II, for instance. You remember you remembering all those things, the Burma shave ads, all the different catchphrases used on those game shows, that could be one of the reasons it was so funny but maddening that I was getting texts about how to cook a frozen quiche. One one popped in Let's my make brain a jingle yesterday. about how to cook a frozen quiche and then you'll never forget it. Somebody at home send us a jingle that will I, Stay in Steve's brain. I, I just remembered there was a like a hand lotion commercial from when I was a kid. It went from your fingers to your toes. I could sing it, but I can't sing. You've got just one set of permanent clothes. And with a little daily care, daily care, it, it will last for years and years, years and years. This was a skin lotion commercial? Yeah, yeah. Nice. From your fingers to your toes, you got just one set of permanent clothes. I like it. <laughs> I'm just remembering also, by the way, now that was it the first or second? One of the very first podcasts we were talking about a must, your dad being a mustachioed man, like a, a virile mustachioed man. Was that was that the yes, context? That, yes, I don't. I don't think we were talking about his virility. <laughs> I certainly hope we weren't talking about my father's virility, but we were definitely calling him a mustachioed man. Well, but in the context of what a strong mustachioed man he was, right? <laughs> the mustachio. I don't think that was, it was the context. It was, it was, it was, anyway, it was Samsonian was... and that his, his mus- mustache was the source of his of his greatness. Yes. Am I right? Sure. It was like it was like a, a mustache Rapunzel. Yes, right? right. He's no longer mustachio. Well, this this is just just blew me away. So maybe two weeks ago I get a text from my dad and it's a picture of himself that he's just taken after Shaving his mustache now, and you couldn't I quite have, you couldn't quite pinpoint I, what it was that was different about it. You know, I knew exactly right away. I have never in my life, until seeing that picture, I had never seen my father without a mustache. I saw a picture of him when he was a young man without a mustache, but he has he, had a mustache since I was born for fifty he, years. He said yes, and I had never I'd never seen him without it ever ever ever. I still haven't seen him in person without it. So. Oh, I saw. Oh, no, I guess I have seen him in person without it. But when I saw this picture, I was I was just blown away. It's so weird to see somebody, especially a parent, you know, looking completely different than you've ever seen them. It it, it reminded me actually of the you know when your mother stopped dyeing her hair and you didn't quite not know how to respond to that. Right. Well, uh, she. I came back from college my freshman year and her her hair was no longer jet black. It was white, 
and I didn't mention anything. And then after several hours of being home for Thanksgiving my freshman year, she said, do you notice anything different about me? And I said, yes. What? Your hair? And it just freaked me out. So, so you um, didn't say anything. I didn't say uh, anything. But I, I did, did you say see... anything to my dad when you saw him on Easter without yes, his Yes, I did. Stash? I looked at him and I said, have you lost weight? <laughs> and in fact, he did. He lost about two pounds of mustache. <laughs> so, so weird. It was not a mustachioed man, but a, a woman who, on my flight out to Columbus, or boarding the flight, I was sitting in my aisle seat, and she was trying to put this heavy rolly bag in the compartment, the luggage compartment above me, and all of a sudden, it dropped and landed right on my neck. This heavy piece of luggage lands right on my neck. She felt terrible about it. She kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but didn't take the bag off my neck. And I was saying, it's okay, but thinking, stop apologizing and get your heavy rolly bag off my neck. So if anyone's ever on a plane and you drop your luggage on someone's neck, remove it and then tell them how sorry you are. Or if anybody's a music producer out there, I'd like to hear the remix of Get Your Rolly Bag Off My Neck <laughs> in Rebecca's voice. During our Final Four pregame show, we ran something called Ballers in Collars, and it's a ball and chain collaboration for ESPN. It was a video essay that you and I wrote together, which means I brought you a bunch of fodder and ideas, and you beautifully wrote it, and then the folks at ESPN edited videos to match the video essay. Which I'll, is really the brilliance of the whole thing is yes. the, the pictures and the graphics that they put on it. I will post that video on our Twitter account, Ball and Chain Pod. But uh, somebody was asking me, one of, one of my bosses at ESPN was asking me, you know, how often do you and Steve collaborate on stuff like that? And I said, well, this is it. This is the third year that you and I have done something for for use during the tournament, done one of these video essays. And last year it was nice. We even used it as an excuse to go out for lunch. And we were like, this is this is a business lunch as we sat and ate and tried to figure out exactly what it was going to be. Because last year it was all about basketball terminology. My, my favorite line of that was, what's the use of a floppy hammer? Wasn't that what it was? What is a floppy hammer? Um, it's two different actions within an offensive set. And the year before it was all on different names because that's when they were you know, tons of Brianna, Brianna's and, uh, and Asia's. And anyway, I wonder if I can get links to all of those, but I, I definitely will be able to post a link to the one we did this year, Ballers and Callers, talking about how fashion has changed in women's basketball over the course of the last 20 what to 30 need, years. Because it's our only annual collaboration besides our marriage and our four children. Imagine if we had talented producers producing our marriage. With graphics with and graphics music and, and yeah, I mean we've got be much more excited. We've got a talented producer producing the podcast, of course, Denny with one N. But yeah, we should get we should get a whole we should hire a whole graphics department, an editing department, and I don't know. Then then like it would it would the, it would go from you taking the frozen quiche out of the freezer to, bing, it would be you know steaming and perfectly cooked on the table. All, all you needed is the edited parts. Can you do that bing again? You are now free to move about the country. All right, look, you've got it. You're going to the grocery store. I am going to be going to the grocery store. Oh, yes, we're, we're out of everything. All of those ready-made meals. I don't think I've eaten anything, prepared anything this week in the last three weeks that didn't involve a box top. So at least I've saved several box tops. So for our kids in the classroom, they can get the box tops. I yeah. know exactly what you've prepared because this morning the first thing I did was throw away all the leftovers, including the salmon I made that we ate before I left a week ago 
was still in the Tupperware in the fridge. It, well, it's not anymore, but but anyway, thank you for saving the box tops and all of the meals, which I have since tossed away. So does this mean I'm a keeper? My wife, I think I'll keep her. <laughs> Tom Dickin, Hari, please play us out. <laughs> Says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.